The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. If you think of your last 12 months as the four seasons, what season are you currently in? Hey everyone, from LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. So today I'm sitting down with my new friend and hilarious podcast host, Maria Fiella. Her book and her excellent podcast are called Growing Joy. Yes, her show is focused on plants, which she's become something of an expert in after being a self-proclaimed plant killer. But what it's also about is the ways in which we can cultivate our own sense of well-being through the lens of our green friends. To give you a sense of what she's up to, here's Maria reading one of my favorite excerpts from the foreword of her book, Growing Joy. Growing Joy isn't about the actual plants we cultivate. It's about the feelings that result from witnessing life from a new perspective. It's not only about celebrating new growth and blooms, but also about honoring and trusting the dormancy and lost leaves of our lives. It's about honoring the seasons our plants and we go through and trusting they are cyclical and will return when it's time. When we can root ourselves in that perspective, anything is possible. I've written this book about joy not because it comes easily, but because I've had seasons where I've struggled to find it, and plants have been the answer to my search. It's funny. The more people I talk to and interview, the more of my own life that I observe, the clearer it becomes that what we chase externally is available to most of us much closer to home. Growing joy isn't about filling your life with stuff. We all know that doesn't work. It's about the intentional decisions we make of what to water and what to prune that eventually leads to our contentment. And it's about finding the joy in every season, even the wintry ones. So here's my conversation with Maria. I promise even if you can't keep a plant healthy to save your life, I think you'll find something fertile here. So, Maria, we were just talking um, before we came into the studio about the difference between people who are, like, doing the work and living the work mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as as this show has evolved, one thing I've realized that's super important in my life mm-hmm. is to have guests on the show who aren't just able to talk the talk but are actually, like, showing up for the hard stuff and the amazing stuff. And so when I read that piece— I was like, oh yeah, like she's she's a real one. <laughs> she's in the in the weeds, <laughs> yeah. in the mud. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, talk to me about like you know you and I met by I don't think anything's by chance, but yeah. you could say we met by chance at at an event. I had no idea what you did, mm-hmm. but it just so happened that your work coincides with my work. But you have an area of expertise, which is plants and well being, that I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when I get to talk to people who've written books that I go, wait, I didn't know you could write a whole book on all this. You know? <laughs> Plants? What the <laughs> and, hell? And well-being and like questions yeah. to ask yourself and things to think about. Talk to me about how you got here. Yeah. Well, first off, I love that you say that because I think whenever I meet people and I tell them that I have a podcast about houseplants, they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, for real? Like, that's your job? And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. It's niche. But 
there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So I, ironically, having just written a book about plants and how to cultivate joy using them, used to be an epic plant killer. <laughs> the majority of my life I spent doing the weirdest shit to all my plants. Um, whatever you've done, sweet listener, to your plants, I've totally probably done something way more embarrassing. So there's no judgment here. Um And I also was a really classic kind of overstimulated, burned out millennial living in New York City. I lived in 500 square feet in Long Island City. Um, And I had no connection to myself. I remember I used to like wake up with my phone and like my phone led my whole day. I had no time with myself back then. I was also, by the way, a professional musical theater performer. I was going to say, you were on Broadway. Yeah, we got to rewind a little bit more. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So... Yeah. From the minute I was born, I knew I wanted to be a performer and a singer. Um, I was the annoying, like, eldest sister that made everybody wait after dinner to, so I could do a show and, like, a tap dance for them, like, almost every night. My sweet siblings, thank you for sitting through that. Um, and, yeah, I went to school for opera and then right out of school started working professionally as a musical theater performer. So I've done the international tour of West Side Story, and then I've done national tours of a bunch of Broadway shows, and I was briefly in Cats on Broadway as well. Um, Yeah, and I thought that was going to be my life for my whole life. I thought I would, like, die living in New York City, like, in my Broadway dressing room. I had a very different view of, of... what my future looked like. Never saw myself getting married. Never saw myself having kids. Like, wow. I'm like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot happened. They say, like, you plan and God laughs. Yes. And I feel like I am a living example of that. So I ended up falling in love um, and moving in with my boyfriend. He's my husband now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we moved in, I was so excited. I was really fulfilling a lot of dreams. I was in, on Broadway just moved in with my boyfriend, and I had this, like, desire to nest. I had this history of killing every plant I used to bring home because I was a performer. I was always traveling. I used to think of plants like a bouquet of flowers that would die slower. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> if you brought, you know, the bouquet would maybe last you 10 days, but, like, if I brought a plant home, it would probably be three months before it was dead enough that I had to, like, throw it out or But you knew it, it was going to die. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. What changed was when I moved in with my boyfriend, my now husband, I, with this desire to nest, wanted to, like, bring life and something new into our space. And for me, that was plants because just it happened at that time we were in mostly his furniture. And we had this beautiful, tiny Juliet balcony. It was like seven square feet, I believe. Um, But we had these beautiful southern facing windows that are unobstructed in New York City. If you know, you know, that is like the freaking gold mine. Um, And so... I decided, you know what? My mom is a really good gardener. I joke that the genes skipped me. Like, maybe my mom can just, like, set me up with some herbs, and I'll actually do my research. Like, I'll I'll do the work, and I'll learn how to care for these things. I'll figure out how to stop killing them. So I had some herbs on my balcony, and I think at that point it was, like, four houseplants or something indoors. And the thing that I like to say about my relationship with plants is I came for the aesthetic, but I stayed for the wellness. Mm. Yes, the plants made our home look beautiful. We had sunny windowsills filled with green tumbling out of it. Um, We loved cutting the chives from our herb garden and scrambling them into our eggs. We loved, you know, cooking with the rosemary. But what really happened is the plants ended up being like the most affordable, accessible way for me to reconnect with myself and nature. 
So looking back now, mm-hmm. is that what you were looking for? Like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about the fact that you're in the middle of this, like, meaningful Broadway career. Mm-hmm. This was the dream. You're mm-hmm. living so many people's dreams, living in New York on Broadway in shows we've all heard of. Yeah. And yet you then also said I was a typical millennial burning out. Like, oh, what's yeah. the, what were you looking for? I think I was looking for peace. I was looking everywhere outside of myself for validation through the roles that I was trying to get, through um, the money I was trying to make, through who I felt like I needed to be in the industry. I was constantly trying to change myself to be who I thought the casting directors needed me to be in order to get booked. Mm -hmm. That caused a lot of... um, pain internally for me. I think I, you know, depression is something I've struggled with most of my adult life. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to feel so unworthy and so uh, wrong, kind of, right? Because I was constantly being told that I needed to change myself. And I think what I was craving was like inner peace. And at the time, I was a real self-help junkie. I was I was spiritual before Mm -hmm. plants. Mm I'd done every yoga retreat. I've done every juice cleanse. I've I've read, read all the, the books. I've books, read yeah. every single self-help book, many of them twice, <laughs> um, looking for that thing that was going to unlock peace and feelings of wholeness for myself. And I wasn't finding it. And I thought that wholeness was attached to being in my career. Ironically, I I booked the Broadway show, and this is almost the starting point for this journey that I've been on now with plants, which feels so much more embodied, so much more full, so much more myself. Like, I feel more myself now than I had ever felt in musical theater, which is very bizarre because it's really what I thought I wanted to do. Um, It's still a bit of an adjustment for me to be able to say no, I'm a full-time plant lady now. Like Broadway went through it. Musical theater performers went through it in the pandemic. And so I had some forced space that allowed me to kind of reinvent myself in the plant world, always kind of thinking I would go back. And recently I've made the decision that I'm not really ready to go back. I'm really enjoying what I do now. Mm. And it's still an adjustment. Like you have to reframe your definition of yourself and your attachments to who you are, which is really interesting. Yeah, and and I don't want to go off on a tangent because I do want to get to how you got to where you are now and Mm -hmm. and where you are today. But um, I do think it's important for people to understand that even when you're, quote unquote, living the dream, even if it is your dream, Mm -hmm. it's still possible to burn out. It's still possible to have moments or experiences of unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And it's quite possible to have either through external or internal force the realization that it's not the dream you need anymore. (sighs) Yeah, man. And it's hard. Yeah. We get so attached to our identity Mm -hmm. as we're seen by others and the validation we get for that. Even when it's not great validation, it's like, this is the life I'm used to living. Yeah. So the thing I've been thinking about, you know, recently, especially this year coming into this role and doing this work is I hope that I get to do work in service of what I'm doing forever. But I also recognize that, like, purpose changes. I oh, my gosh. I think we're always looking for our purpose. But it's not like you find one thing lock in and nothing ever changes. It's like life happens. Yes. And the funny thing about plants for me and this new career that I'm in, so many of the dreams that I had that I had attached to being on Broadway – being a star, getting fan mail, feeling like I've deeply impacted people's lives through the work that I thought was music, right? Like those things that to me felt so important that I wanted, but I had attached to this other external thing. Mm -hmm. I now have experienced tenfold. I get people sliding into my DMs telling me about how the book has changed their life all the time. Like I feel that service 
in such a different way. It looks different externally. The the mission of it, right, like the purpose, like you mentioned, is still there. But it's very interesting. Something I've been playing around is ever since I was this little girl, I wanted to do these things. I thought that was going to be expressed through performing, but I'm really still doing those those core feelings, those core desires are actually still very aligned with what I'm doing now. It just looks really different externally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it might change again, right? I think giving ourselves, millennials especially, I mean, humans, right? Like, I think we can get so rigid with what we think things need to look like. And the last two years, everything I've gone through, I'm just like, gosh, I don't want to think about, <laughs> I don't want to attach to anything anymore because it's like going to be taken away from me. So, Or it's going to shift and or like it's you're going to have to rediscover what good looks like or gratitude yeah. looks like with that. Yeah. Um, so, so your book, Growing Joy, and the work you're doing now isn't just about plants, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the the joke, right? It's yeah. like, how, how do you become, like, what's the plant lady? What are you actually trying to say? What are you actually trying to deliver for people who are engaged with you and your community? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Because I think some people see my book and they think it's a plant care book. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's a self-care book. Plants are the vehicle through the lens of plants. Um, I think that we are living through an epidemic of screen addiction, overstimulation, burnout, and our society at whole has become farther and farther disconnected to nature. And my mission is to help people become kinder and greener through cultivating a relationship with plants. I think plants and reconnecting with them actually are the gateway to reconnecting with ourselves in a really profound way. Um, something I like to say a lot is, you know, I, I like to help people disconnect from screens and reconnect to themselves mm-hmm. through plants. Um, they're simple, they're affordable, they're accessible, they're easy to care for once you ha- learn a few things that I give you. I have a care guide at the back of my book, but um, you know, we're so disconnected to nature these days. Um, I know because I was so disconnected. And that wholeness that I was looking for my whole life came back when I was um when I was able to reconnect, you know, there's this interesting concept called biophilia. I was just writing that down. Yeah. So you make sure you talked about it. Yeah. So once I learned about biophilia, I was like, oh, this is it. This is that feeling. A lot of us go through, when we start caring for plants successfully, we go through this experience where it's like, you need to continue collecting more because the feeling you get is so great. Like you're so excited to be caring for something and get it, that positive feedback that it's growing for you. Something like lights up in your heart mm-hmm. and um, people experience it to different degrees. But I know lots of members of my community like feel really lit up by this. And there's this concept called biophilia that I learned about while I was researching my book. It's been around for a couple of decades now. But essentially the thought is we as humans living things are intrinsically designed to be connected to other living things. So whether that's people experiencing joy when they're with their pets, which are other living things, or with plants. And so in society, as we become farther and farther disconnected from nature, we need to work to reconnect with nature because we are nature. We evolved surrounded by nature. Think about our grandparents, grandparents, grandparents. Like we were in nature very naturally. And it's unnatural for us to be around so much synthetic materials. You know, there's a reason why people want to go to the beach for their vacations or why people want to go to the woods or the mountains. When you put your feet in the sand, when you put your feet on some grass, when you look up at a redwood tree and you're filled with awe, 
And you get like this rush that kind of tingles down your spine that feels so healing. That is this concept of biophilia that we're designed to be in these environments and it's very stressful for us to not be. Mm -hmm. Um, So people in your community might be experiencing what we call plant blindness. I prefer to call it plant bias. But if you've been disconnected from nature for a while, you might be walking down your street and not really noticing your trees not really noticing the all the beautiful planter boxes that mm-hmm. are filled with, you know, filled with plants. Um, that's like a great exercise for people. If you're looking to reconnect with nature more, like see what nature is around you that you haven't really opened your eyes to, for lack of a better word. So, you know, I've, I've lived in New York City for, for a decade. Um, and last year I went to the middle of Oregon mm-hmm. and my very close friends live there. I stayed with them. It is one of the most naturally beautiful places mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember. So, you know, when I came back, I came back to New York and the way that I framed it was, you know, I was trying to figure out where do I really want to live, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And New York had been has been home for so long. Um I was talking to my dad and he says, he's like, you know, New York is a place where most people are going 130 miles an hour. Mm. (laughs) Bend, where you were, is a place where most people are going 30. Yeah. He's like, you got to think about it. Do you want to be going 80 or 100? Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's 100. Do you want to be going 100 in a 130 environment or 100 in a 30 environment, right? Mm. So like, how do you want to be in relation to the space you're in? And it reminded me of uh, one conversation I had a while ago as I was trying to become more present because I tend to be a more anxious person. I like planning for the future. I like visioning. I like moving fast. Like we're all, we're New Yorkers. We move. Um, And they had said, this person had said to me, that gave me this advice that like I should just stop while I was on a run at some point because I run a lot and just like touch a plant or Mm. look at a bird or whatever. And I was like, what is this crap, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course. And we all get, you know. Naturally. Totally. And we all, it's sort of like crazy, crazy fuels more crazy Mm -hmm. in New York. And I think for a lot of us, no matter what city, there's there's an energy and there's a feel and a vibe. And a pressure. And a pressure. And in this this space, there's a lot more. And Mm -hmm. for people who are millennials or whoever you are, that's, you know, ambitious and career oriented, it goes even higher because Mm -hmm. we place it on ourselves. But I started doing this and I do this now all the time. I spend a lot of my time in some sort of nature near the water. Mm -hmm. I never would have done that in my 20s. I never would have thought about it. I didn't even think I needed it until I got it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that's what it felt like for me, too. When I started caring for plants successfully, it was like a I say I'm filled with plant parallels, but it was like a dormant part of my heart came into spring again. It was like this whole world was open to me that I didn't know was available. But I think especially in New York and especially with this pressure to be go, 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 I think stopping to look at the plants on your run is really stopping and giving yourself time with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's actually not really about the plants. And that's the funny thing about growing joy is, yes, it's about the plants, but the plants are truly a vehicle to just give yourself some space because meditation can be really intimidating to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of these kind of grandiose thoughts of these wellness practices, well, you know, meditation, yoga, those can feel really intimidating, but like you can stop and look at a plant mm-hmm. and in that space, in that awe, your nervous system regulates, you relax a little bit, and maybe that's when you get your intuitive hit. Or like, 
it's interesting you were in Oregon in this very natural space trying to connect with yourself to figure out what the next move was going to be. You know, there's a reason why everyone says go to the mountains when you need to have a thought week. It's that your nervous system is designed to be in the mountains, Mm -hmm. right? So if we don't have the mountains available to us, because the thing is, yes, I live in the country now. Yes, I have a lot of nature accessible to me, but I went through this transformation living in 500 square feet in New York City. We can bring nature to us and... You know, my gateway was houseplants. Mm -hmm. For other people, it's going to be edible gardening or, you know, doing a community garden or something. Whatever it is, it's just exposing yourself to other life forces like that that are natural. We're going to take a quick break. So if you're following along here, we're both talking about how we give ourselves more time to just pause for a second. Why? Because how you choose to spend your days is how you choose to spend your life. And your lifestyle is a major contributor to the quality of life you experience. I know it sounds obvious, but why not spend the next few minutes thinking about if your days reflect the lifestyle you want? When we get back, we talk a little bit more about how there's a season for everything, including dormancy. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with Maria Fayella, host of the podcast, Growing Joy. For anyone who's listening who's like, well, I don't don't grow plants or whatever, I, I think what you've done well is usher in the idea of metaphor as it relates to Mm -hmm. um, plants, plant care, all of this. And one of the stories you tell is like how plants or the experience of growing, planting, growing, and then failing at it um, impacts you in relationships. And so it reminded me of your story about you with your husband, Billy, Mm -hmm. growing this tomato. The tomato. And like, (laughs) our tomato tragedy, the tomato tragedy. And so you guys try to grow this tomato. You think this whole thing is going to sprout a bunch of tomatoes. You only end up with one. And then the one that you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, okay, we're going to make something of this Mm -hmm. turns out to be it falls. And then it's like inedible by the time you find it. And you said you cried and like not embarrassed to say you cried. Big time. But at the end, you said like it actually was never about the tomato. It was about like 
the fact that you had just moved into this apartment. You were trying to grow something. You were growing up with the person that you were partnered with. Mm-hmm. And this was about like your teamwork and how you cared for the plant and the, the relationship. And I was like, what I took from that is how powerful metaphors can be for us in describing experiences that we're having that we can't put into language oh, in the yeah. way that like we want to, because for whatever reason, it maybe doesn't exist in the English language, which is so common, mm-hmm. or it's just not ex- as accessible as bringing it to uh, some sort of experience or item or thing outside of us. Totally. Your life is reflected back to you by your houseplants. I say if you tune yourself to their frequency, like they have so many lessons to teach you. And a big lesson that I'd love to share quickly, another metaphor um, that was so profound to me in 2020. So I was still performing as a musical theater performer in 2020. I was in a show that got shut down because of the pandemic. So I had lost my job. I was planning my wedding. My wedding got canceled twice. I moved from that 500 square feet apartment into my parents' house with my fiance. Um, like everything was going wrong, right? I mean, but <laughs> going listen, great. it's going great. <laughs> like it was a rough time. Um, but every day I would tell myself, after pruning comes new growth. And plants do this thing where there's this hormone that gets triggered. If you cut a tip of your plant off, it triggers the growth hormone to actually make that plant grow lateral growth. So like basil is a great example. Cut the top of your basil off. It'll grow back bushier, mm-hmm. more lush. And I just thought about basil every day for like all of 2020 and all of 2021. And You don't see it. You don't see the hormones moving in the plant, but you just have to trust like, okay, these things are getting pruned out of my life right now for a reason. We're clearing space for new opportunities to come in. Lo and behold, I get all these amazing opportunities and I needed that space. It was forced. You know, it's a little different because I didn't get to actively prune away those things that got taken away from me. But now hindsight 2020, I have so much appreciation for it. And I think everybody in every moment of our lives are experiencing something that's getting pruned mm-hmm. in our metaphorical life. And I just think that's been one of the most kind of profound nature-based lessons that I would hope to share with anyone. So talk to me about this, because I, I think, um, you know, you we start with the idea that plant care is self-care. Mm-hmm. Um and you've used the word wellness. And mm-hmm. we've talked about how, you know, some of these terms have been so commercialized yeah, and yeah. like commercialized in a way that have removed some of their power. And I yeah. think what we are actually talking about is true well-being, which is the sense mm-hmm. that you are thriving in life. Um, and that's through for you. It's through plant care. In the pruning piece, I mean, we've all gone through two years where mm-hmm. something was taken away from us. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people I've seen out there feel like, you know, the world hasn't treated them fairly, whether it has to do with work, relationships, family, family members, loss. I mean, there's so many there's things. So much, and then yeah. there are people who feel great about things and don't want to share. And so there's this interesting thing as we all figure out what's next. Yeah. Um, what advice do you give to people who are going through this pruning experience right now? You got to trust. You got to let nature take its course. I think also you have seeds, figurative seeds that have been planted that will germinate within you in that exact right time. And talk to me about what that means. What are the seeds, the germination? So seeds, most seeds have a protective coating. Mm -hmm. 
something has to happen externally to them in order for them to germinate, whether mm-hmm. it's just getting in contact with damp soil. Some seeds won't germinate until they're like lit on fire, scorched. There's all sorts of different things. There's this really cool story about the seed that was found. It's like a thousand years old and it never germinated because it, it was in a tomb. Um, and the scientist who found it you know, put it in the conditions that it needed to thrive and has the plant in his office. Mm. And that seed sat dormant, right, mm-hmm. for a th- more than a thousand years. I don't know the, uh, the correct amount of time. Um, I just think that can be so helpful when you're going through what you might feel like as a season of dormancy or a moment of pruning that you have to trust that things happen for a reason and in their own right time. And in your moment, I will tell you now with this hindsight – in 2020, when I was rescheduling my wedding for the third time and half of my vendors, like, <laughs> couldn't make the next date and I was crying every day and I had no idea how I was going to make money and I was living with my parents and I was, you know, 30 years old, I was not preaching everything's – like, this was work. It was work to kind of work my way out of it, right? And did you go through the period where you didn't even do that, where you're just like, I'm just angry and it's oh, just going to be – Oh, yeah. Okay. Great. I, like, <laughs> cried in my bath. I say I, like, cried in my bathtub and drank wine for, like, 30 days straight. And that's the other thing about this book. I'm not the guru, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just the girl going through it with everyone else and – I think I've been through a bunch of stuff. I think I've learned a bunch, but no one is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Like in my book, you know, the biggest thing, if anybody listening, if you want to try implementing anything from my book, you know, look at a plant before you look at a screen in the morning, right? Like start your day with yourself and with nature instead of your screens. I got to be honest, I tried that and it's it was hard. It's been hard. Like I don't even keep my phone in my bedroom at night, but Mm -hmm. my immediate thing to do is I go grab grab my phone to meditate. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's in my mind. But even though it's meditation, I'm like, wait, no, I have to look at a plant. (laughs) My husband looked at me the other day and he was like, hey, Mia, like uh, you're on your phone this morning. Like, are you looking at a plant before you look at a screen? None of us are perfect. And I think in this wellness space, in this self-care space, some of these gurus, some of these authors make it feel so hard to achieve whatever they're trying to teach. I'm like, If you can take one of my 60 practices and do it once a week, if, like, one page of my book can make you smile and, like, make your life a little bit better, I've done my job. I'm not trying to instill this, like, life change. I mean, I know that the stuff in my book can change your life. It's changed mine. But I'm not – there's no, like, prescription that you have to do in order to be successful here. Working with plants is very intuitive. People are going to be connected to different types of plants based on who they are. What's going to work for me isn't necessarily going to work for you. But yeah, so I think the seeds are planted. Um, You've got to trust and look around, right? Like look around your street, look at your lawn, wherever you're living. Nature can continue teaching you. Also, like, ask for signs if you're going on a walk in the woods, right? Like, open your eyes, become available to the lessons that they are able to teach you. Simply just opening yourself to this thought, right, that you might be able to learn something from our little green friends, our little green teachers, um, could be, like, really major for, for people because there are so many of us, and I only say this because I was one of them, that are, uh, Missing out, missing out on a lot of beautiful opportunity for development. 
Well, I, I, you know, the piece about pruning, um, which is why I wanted you to read uh, your note, was the piece that said it's about honoring the seasons our plants and we go through and trusting that they are cyclical and will return when it's time. And I was like, oh, it reminded me of, you know, it makes me emotional. I'm thinking about like a year ago when I, coming back to New York, had like no friends. Mm -hmm. I remember walking through Riverside Park and going, everyone has somebody but me. Everyone has a friend or has a person around them but me. And and I don't know what that's going to look like. And like, is it going to be okay? And what I didn't understand and and like observe is that it's all cyclical. It's all cyclical. (laughs) And is that not the most powerful? When you understand... The irony, too, living in New York, we get four intense seasons. Yeah, and that's why I love living here, actually. (laughs) It's beautiful. I remember I went to school in Houston, and I'm a New Yorker, so when I went to Houston and there was no fall, I was like, how do I process the changing of time? Like, how do I process the year Yes, I always say that about California. Yeah, like, seasons are crucial. And once you can acknowledge that we inside have seasons— That in itself is such a lesson. It's like dormancy is so beautiful. Plants go dormant so they can rest in order to become a better, more expressed version of themselves next year. Mm -hmm. Right? Like take peonies. You plant a peony bush, three years, you're not getting blooms. That plant's going to die back, rest, come back, grow some more leaves, die back, grow some more leaves, and then you're going to get this beautiful expression of itself way down the line. You know, you see that with so many plants in nature. And then we're sitting here like know-it-alls being like, no, I have to go, go, go and not take a day off and think that, you know, everything is going to be linear. And um, it's like, no, that's not how nature works. And we are nature. We are natural beings. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with the concept of dormancy. Like, winter, I'm ready for winter. I went through a book launch this year. I went through a rebrand this year. Like, I am so ready to Mm. slow down. And I would have never let myself do that three years ago. Yeah. Um, I would burn out like I I used to. And now when I sense that, I'm like, oh, okay. I've had a beautiful spring. I've grown so lush. I've thrown off so much growth. And now it's time to get quiet. You know, I'm sitting here going like, what have my seasons been? You know, I I hadn't I I, it's normally that I I now force myself to take time away. Yeah. Um, And this year I'm going into my time away without feeling burned out. But knowing I've seen my body slow down. Yeah. Getting sick a little more, Mm -hmm. just not having the focus I like to have. Um, And so I'm getting closer to being Mm -hmm. better at really preparing for that. But it's funny. I've been like I was originally last month coming into winter going like oh god you know like i have yeah. i have my like sad lamp ready yep. i'm like buying all these candles i'm you yep. know thinking about how i can make winter better Be- bearable bearable and and actually this is a different conversation that the idea of dormancy and even if you don't live somewhere where there's a true winter yeah that you know, winter winter is coming, lol, but that winter can come at any point mm-hmm. and that it's actually powerful and yeah. meaningful. Yeah. And you don't have to be aligned with the external seasons. Yeah. I was talking with one of my really good friends the other day and she was saying, I was telling her, I'm like, oh, girl, I'm ready for winter. Like, mm. I'm so ready to slow down. And she was like, man, I feel like I'm coming out of my winter and I'm so ready to like explode. I don't think we need to live in line with the seasons, mm-hmm. but I think just the sheer acknowledgement of just like you said, what season am I in right now? And what seasons, if I look back, 
can I kind of equate, you know, my last year, my last couple of years? Mm -hmm. I think for all of us, the last five years, because, you know, we're recording this podcast, you know, in, at the end of 2022. It's like we all kind of lost a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's so powerful to be able to allow and not feel guilty to rest. I've talked about burnout before on this show with people, but we often think it's like our vacation that gets us yeah. cleared of the burnout. And it's not true. No it's, way. it's really like the ultimate thing is how do you integrate your life in yes. such a way that – you are able to continue moving. You don't have the burnout and then the month you have to disappear. Yep. But you have, you know, a weekend or you have a three-day weekend or whatever mm -hmm. it is that gives you that space. Um, what I love about what you're doing, Maria, is actually what you said earlier. Um, on this show, we talk a lot about how to live a meaningful life. And mm -hmm. originally I thought like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to talk to a lot of scientists, yeah. psychologists, you know, people who have a specific degree in something. Um, and I don't have that degree, mm -hmm. right? And, and I was like, but I, I know what I'm talking about. I've studied this stuff. Like I've gone deep and I feel like I have this understanding. I think what you point to with your work is a really important understanding. And so you are an expert, but at the same time, you're also – a human being experiencing things alongside everyone else. And that's what you said is like, I'm with you oh, doing yeah. this. I'm we're learning. in the mud, baby. Yeah. yeah, we're in the mud and you mess up. And your 100%. husband goes, you're on your phone. You yeah. know, so I think there is this, um, there's something really powerful for me at least uh, and relatable mm -hmm. when it comes to hearing from someone who is, yes, walking the walk, but is open to falling from grace. And I think mm -hmm. expert just means I'm a student, you know, yeah. and I'm a continual student, which has gotten me. And I don't even want to say expert, but it's like yeah. I am a I am a lifelong student yeah. and enthusiast of for you plants. Um, with that, Maria, I'd love to have you answer my three statements. Yeah. The first is better humans are. Better humans are planty. Planty. I want to know what that is. Planty, like you're planty if you're a plant person. So like <laughs> you're like a plant lady or like I'm like a planty person. Planty. Humans are planty. Okay. I'm planty. I feel good about that. All right. Better work is. Expansive. And a better world has. Kinder and greener communities. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me. I love having you in the studio. That was my lovely friend, Maria Faella, the force behind the Growing Joy podcast and author of the book, growing joy. One big thing before we go, life gets as busy as we allow it to get. And while there are certainly busy seasons, if you're always busy, it's not a season. It's a lifestyle. Sure, life is going to be full of cycles. And perhaps as we get more seasoned on this earth, we get better at identifying those cycles, at sitting in them with more awareness and a sense of peace, knowing that this too shall pass, whether it's a high or a low or a busy point. But if we're whirlwinding through it all, we miss a lot of opportunity to find lessons, meaning, and richness in every experience. To me, growing joy is about going a little deeper in our moments. And I want that for you. So pop over to Maria's show, we've linked it in the show notes, and go grow your joy. If this conversation planted a seed for you, share it with someone else who might benefit from growing their own joy and help other people like you find our show by leaving us a rating before you go. Even better, write us a one-sentence review telling me what season you're in right now and what value you might find in it. As always, you can find me on LinkedIn, writing about human potential and meaningful living. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien and Franz Bowen. Joe DiGiorgi mixed our show. 
Courtney Coop is the head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. Dan Ross is the editor in chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming on the journey with me and I'll see you next week.